We are in our second, well actually it's our third installment, it's the second part of our second installment, Ministry to the Lord. We have come to perhaps one of the easiest ones to explain, and I and I mean that in a different way, I'll explain a little better, but, but yet to me it's perhaps certainly the one that is the most, I think, meaningful in our ministry to the Lord. We have spoken about three spheres of ministry. We gave an initial message, then we followed it up last week as we're trying to explain these three spheres of ministry. We said they are ministry to the Lord, that is our love to God, ministry to the body, that is our loving each other, and ministry to the world, and that is us loving the lost. We said that when we minister to the Lord as our first priority, you then receive blessing from God with strength and all other spheres of ministry. But when we seek to minister either to the world or to the body without first ministering to the Lord, the result is weariness, burnout, shallow results, and a lack of lasting fruit in service. You know, until I understood that, I could never understand why people would volunteer to do jobs in the church that I knew they could do, that were not hard jobs, and actually were within their talents and abilities. But they would kind of piddle out shortly or not long after they began those jobs. It wasn't until I realized they were trying to work from the strength within instead of gassing up first from God. So as we put ministry to the Lord first, we are engaged, we are energized, and all other ministries will then flow out of our lives. We will be energized by the Spirit of God as opposed to self-effort. Because the kingdom of God is not done by self-effort. God's purposes are carried out by God's ways. Therefore, God's job is done in God's strength. So that's what we're aiming at. When we begin of the three spheres, we start off with ministry to the Lord. Ministry to the Lord, that we began two weeks ago, as I said, um, we, we, we saw three subjects. Worship, we saw there are three subjects. Worship, praise, and intimate communion. Now worship is what we looked at last week. Today, as I get started, the thought came to my mind, you know, sometimes there are things that we do, that we say, that moves within our, um, you know, the way, of, the way we do things that are normal. Yet it might be foreign to somebody else. And I wondered, you know, could it be that to somebody it might be foreign the idea of ministering to the Lord? You know, could it be foreign to you the thought of ministering to God? And I just, I just for one second, I just want to pause and say to you that ministering to God 
should be indeed a natural thing that flows from within your heart. Um, so often we, we, we kind of think God is kind of there for my service, you know. I pray, He hears, He does. You know, so He kind of ministers to me. I, I need help. I'm the one that's always in trouble. Uh, and uh, it might sound to someone fun, the, what is very natural in Scripture, to minister to God, to bless Him. He, we are always asking Him to bless us. Is that not true? Can, can, you, can you fathom yourself blessing God? And the answer is yes, that's why He created you. That you would bless Him. So, worship, praise, and intimate communion. Now they, they do overlap in such a way that, you know, you almost think we could almost kind of clump them all together, but we shall not. Uh, two weeks ago we looked at worship, and I'm not going to really do a summary, and I'll tell you why. Of it. But I'll just remind you, we said that the first point was surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. That was our first act of worship. Because we said worship uh, had a body language. The word itself meant to be face down, uh, to kiss the ground in, uh, in, in the New Testament, to be face down in the Old Testament. And that it, it implies surrender. Surrender. The word worship. So, when we talk about the first act of worship, we said its first act of worship should be to surrender your heart to God in salvation. The second, we said, was sacrificial giving, and we explained it. I'll go back to that perhaps in another one. Sacrificial service and sacrificial obedience. We left one out, which is praise. Because in reality, that is part of worship. Which is what I said, I'm sure we all, when we were going to talk about worship, that's probably where you thought we were going. And starting off with surrender kind of might have caught some by surprise. But we will. But I want to leave that for the next occasion because I really want to work on that one uh, and prepare it. So, we're going to step into the third one. So we're going to kind of skip second, we'll come back to it. And we're going to talk about intimate Communion. Intimate communion. Psalm 42, Jim read to us. I want you to go back there. Now that you know we're going to talk about intimate communion, go back to Psalm 42. We won't read the whole thing, but I wish you could, perhaps, when you're at home, go back. Read the whole Psalm, Psalm 42. But uh, I'll just kind of begin the first uh, few verses there, perhaps the first five or so. I want you to hear the heart of the psalmist. He is yearning, he is wanting intimacy with God. He's looking for God. But there are obstacles. As you read through the psalm, you kind of get the idea that he's got these obstacles. People and things are kind of getting in his way. But he's so desperately wanting intimacy with God. Verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? It's hard in a world that is so anti-God. 
to yearn for him because we get laughed at we get ridiculed we get mild we get pointed at yet our heart knows it needs to seek after him Verse 4, these things I remember and I pour out my soul within me for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. He remembers what it used to be, perhaps during a time when there was great intimacy, great joy and communion and connection with God. And he, he yearns to go back to that state why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. You just you can hear His desire for intimacy, for God, connection, communion. I remember very early in my Christian experience, and I mean early, I was quickly introduced to the second coming of Christ. It was back in 1980, and uh, a lot of Hal Lindsay's books were very new, and uh, it was a big topic, uh, uh, the coming of Christ and so on, and uh, movies were out, uh, forgot the name of them, Maybe y'all have seen them. There they were these movies that had come out in, in 8mm, you know, forget VHS or any of that. It was 8mm, you know. I remember going to a church to see them not long after I'd become a Christian. And I was just impacted with the coming of Christ. And, and I heard that word, rapture. And I was like, rapture, what does that mean, you know? And they explained it, you know, roughly. And, but I, I got the hint of it, you know, that like I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to fly out of here and, and go and be with God. And, and I remember that for, for a long time, for months after that, I'd wake up in the morning, you know, I was like, being that open my eyes, I go, I stink, I'm still here. You know? <laughs> you know, I go to bed hoping that was going to be the night. And it wasn't because I wanted to fly. You know, that, that was, I, I just wanted to see him. I just wanted to be with him. Intimacy. You want to be with God. And, I, and, I, and as I read that psalmist, I say, I, I think I know how he feels when he said, it used to be. But it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. Used to be. You got to play on words. It's not supposed to be. Used to be. It should be. It still is. As we grow older in years, we don't grow away from. We should be growing closer to. And if you haven't remembered, I'll remind you, we look to the gray hairs. We really do. Because we want you to help us. Point us. Because we haven't walked the path all the way there yet. So, intimacy. Intimate communion. Our way, our means to minister to the Lord. So, intimate communion, what does that mean? Well, that's simple. It starts off with quality time, right? Quality time. You cannot have intimacy with a person 
without quality time. You can't have intimacy with God without quality time. The fourth commandment that God gave to us there in Exodus uh, chapter 20 was to keep the Sabbath. Now, it's not about just holiday. And, and, And if you really push me, it's not even necessarily on Sunday. New Testament style. Now we happen to have Sunday. That's cool. That's great. And if you sometimes have to work on Sunday or used to work on Sunday, don't feel guilty. But did you take another day? Because the purpose was to rest. And to rest so that we would put aside all that the week was, all that the work week was or whatever, so that you can have intimacy with God. But things have changed a lot in the end of the 20th century, certainly into the 21st. But as I talk to uh, uh, older folk who lived in the 40s and so on, and they tell me that on Sunday, I mean, talk about nothing was done except church. You know, all they did was worry about God, and that was it. You know, my, my wife says that she remembers growing up, I mean, they weren't even allowed to play sports out in the front yard, you know. It was all about church. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then you had uh, usually roast pastor in the midday, you know. Uh, and, and, uh, but it was because you, you put the day aside for God. Now, it's not where I'm going. It's not where I'm going. The point is, Intimacy requires you to make time. Quality kind of time. It's not accidental. You have to plan. And that concept of the Sabbath was for the recreation, excuse me, recreation of our energies and the renewing of our soul. God wanted us to stop and think about Him. He knows, he knows how busy we can get. He does, you know, so he says to us, you've got to stop. Quality time also means togetherness. It's not an accident, and it also means togetherness. That means you have to focus the attention. You've got to make a mental effort to be there. When you speak to husbands and wives and they bring up the topic of quality time and togetherness usually you get the response of but I'm with her every morning and I'm reading the paper she's on the other side we're together and she says that doesn't work then you talk to her and she says but I take him shopping every time we go out shopping I take him with me and he says that's not the same it's not the same No, ladies, I I know you you can't quite fathom why shopping isn't our most exciting time with you. We go because somebody's got to carry the bags and make sure you don't overspend. But that's not quality time. That's not togetherness. And gentlemen, just kind of watching, you know, the dumb box while she speaks or reading the paper, that's not quality time. You can't say, but we're here together in the same room. Doesn't work, right, ladies? Tell them, tell them, nothing. It means focus, attention. You have to be there in order to have quality time. 
I've never met folks who walk with God for a good period of time. They talk about an hour a day that they spend with God. Now I remember the first time I really kind of began meeting people like this. And I used to think, I think I get all my lists, you know what I mean by I say list. I get all my lists done in about five minutes. And even then I kind of run out of what else do I say kind of thing. Because it's about clock watching. And it's not supposed to be. Being with God and in His presence is not about the watch. It's not about clocking. So you know what? If you have not reached one hour a day with the Lord, it's okay. Don't try it. You'll fall asleep. It'll get really boring. And you'll get discouraged. You've got to start small. The reason is, you've got to build a relationship. You've got to build your time with Him. So you start. You make a commitment. I'm going to spend five minutes a day. And when five minutes kind of go like a blink, you say, you know what, I'm ready for ten. And then I'm ready for fifteen, and I'm ready for twenty. And the next thing you know, that hour goes by like, like that. But don't, don't be suicidal. You know, pastor said, i got to spend an hour a day with God. I'm going to do this. And, and listen, most of you, don't give me this. I don't have time. Alright? 90% of you are retired. So don't give me the I don't have time. It's about knowing that you need to learn to make the time. So, sharing the purpose. When you get together with God and you share the purpose you will learn that the time begins to just get out from under you. He wants your full attention. So it's about quality time. It's also about listening. It's about listening to God. We are so quick to talk, are we not? We're always ready to talk. But listening kind of requires too much work. You know, there's more work to listening than there is to talking. Because the talking is kind of just engaging. Right? Whenever we get bored at home, we just turn on Jessica. But now that she's gone, we just turn on Felicia. Yeah. They can talk your ear off for hours. It's incredible. Don't take a lot of effort, you know, to listen. Just let them talk and you just kind of, you know, occupy space and sound. Listening to God. Someone said prayer is our way to talk to God. Reading the Bible is listening to God speak to us. Now, and we said you've got you to be purposeful in it. So let's be purposeful. Now, if you're going to listen to God and He's going to feed you, can I make a comparison? How many of you eat just once a week? Amen. Could you live on once a week? It get pretty thin after a while. Now, I'm sadly to say, probably most Christians eat once a week when they come to church. They walk in with their Bible, the ministers feed them, they go home, put the Bible away, wait for the next Sunday. But you don't do that with your regular food, right? I am on this real weird diet. and um, Now, according to the diet, I'm supposed to eat six times a day. 
And I thought, man, when I wasn't on a diet, I didn't eat six times a day. I only ate once a day, all day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't pass that up. Anyway, six times a day. You know, it's like breakfast, mid-morning, lunch, mid-afternoon, supper, and right before you go to bed. Because you're supposed to, I don't know, keep your metabolism going and all this stuff. By the way, I don't do six times a day. But the point is, is that, okay, let me ask you, how many of you eat once a day? Twice a day? Three times a day? Ooh, ooh we got some hands there. Alright, here we go, guys. Who's there? Four times a day? Oh, thank you for honesty. Thank you. Five times a day? Okay. How many of you were like me? Just one day, once a day, all day long. That's more like it, right? So, listening to God. Let me ask you a question. If you can schedule food, can't you schedule listening to God? I mean, you schedule, don't you? You wake up in the morning, the first thought that comes to you is, who's going to put on the coffee? And am I going to have biscuits or cake? And while you're making your coffee, you're thinking, what will we have for lunch? And before even lunch comes around, you're you're trying to make mind of, now who's coming for dinner? And God, all we're saying is, you want intimacy with God, can you stick it on your calendar for the day, or your diary for the day, one time, but put it on the calendar, just one time a day. And don't start with an hour. Start with five minutes. Because see, I know you love God. Listen, if you didn't love God, you weren't here. There's a thousand things you could be doing. You're here because you love God. So I'm saying, God wants you to minister to Him. He wants you to get close. Close enough that He can speak to you. And you can't listen to Him if you don't create time to read His Word so that He can speak to your heart. So, just like you plan eating three plus times a day, plan. Why not? Once a day to hear from God. Listening to God, number next, is speaking with God. That's where you get to talk. That's where you get to talk. I um, think I mentioned on another occasion my first prayer meeting. And uh, one of the aspects of that very first prayer meeting I went to as a believer, I'd only been saved just maybe a week. And of course, uh, I told you about the Elizabethan English, remember? And I thought, oh my goodness. You know, I didn't even speak English right, you know. I still don't, I know, I know, I know. But I mean, it was even worse back then. But, uh, you know, I mean, how am I ever going to talk like these people? But then there was another aspect. And it was, they just went on and on. And I thought, we, well, surely we've been here a couple of hours. And I look at my watch, it's only been 15, 20 minutes. It just sounded like they could go on and on, talking to God. And I don't have that many things to say. <coughs> Speaking with God. Now God has helped us with that. Can I just remind you that? He really has. I'm going to remind you of a little formula God has left in the Word to help you so that you don't run out of things to say. 
because he knew that we kind of get choked up on this prayer thing. So he made it easy for us. It's called, well, we know it as the Lord's Prayer. Now, we recited it last week. You know, um, I'm not sure if all of you know, but there was a time I used to be a chaplain for professional athletes. And um, there's a thing with professional athletes and the Lord's Prayer. Now, if we have any ex or ex-chaplains here, you know that they, they just have to do the Lord's Prayer before they go out on that field. It doesn't matter whether it's basketball or American football or football. You just got to do that Lord's Prayer. It's, 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 it's a ritual. And it's okay. But that's not what it was meant for. It was meant to help us understand what to do. In Luke chapter 11, for example, the first verse there in chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So, Matthew 6, perhaps is the most well-known passage of the Lord's Prayer, if you want to go there. We'll go through it very quickly. First of all, it's a model, or an outline, of our prayer themes. wasn't necessarily meant for us to recite. So if you do, that's fine. If you understand the greater reason and the greater purpose... It was meant as a model, as an outline. They said, teach us to pray. Jesus says, let me tell you, what's a good outline to follow? So his outline goes as such. And we'll be very general. Number one, there is the declaration and the worship. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you think of the cross? Can you think of the resurrection? Can you think of the forgiveness of your sins? Can you think of the peace that God has given you? And then let's just let your heart speak. And you will declare. And you will worship. And you'll just say, God, thank you. You are awesome. And whatever words you can use or, you, or come to your heart and mind, you declare worship. To God. Number two, there is the kingdom priorities. Now, your life is pretty much like my life. It's surrounded by people, it's surrounded by events, it's surrounded by future hopes, it's surrounded by things we'd like to see, people that we would like God to touch. So, the kingdom priorities. The second part is, for example, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that God has a perfect plan and pattern for everything? For everything. That means that in heaven, God has an idea of how things should be, sees things as they should be, and then wishes to carry them out on earth as we implement ourselves. God has a perfect pattern for family, for marriage, for courtship, for employment, for personal conflicts, for love, for romance, for our life partner, for growing old. There is actually a pattern for all of that. So you can just come to God 
and bring those subjects to Him and say, God, can we talk about this issue? And truthfully, you just might not have enough time to get it all in. Because there's so many things in our lives that we cry out to God, God, I want it to be here on earth as it is in heaven with my children, with my spouse, with my job, with my neighbors, with my church, on earth as it is in heaven. Everything that is out of harmony we can indeed pray into order as we come to God. We can talk about my children, my grandchildren, my husband, my wife, folks. could get to the point where an hour is not enough. Then, of course, there's the next one which talks about earthly provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. Financial Daily provision. It doesn't say give us this week's bread, right? Or this month's bread. This is daily bread. God wants you to bring to Him your daily needs. Those things that have to do with the physical, the financial, the day-to-day operating sense of life. So you have, I'm sure... A lot you could talk to him about as you bring those things to his presence. Then there is personal cleansing. Because you love God, you want to be right with God. So he says there's personal cleansing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There is our personal sins that we have to deal with. Remember when Jesus came to Peter, well, to the disciples, and he got to Peter, he wanted to wash his feet, and he said, no, no, you'll never wash my feet, I'm not, no, 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 and Jesus said, I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me, and of course, Peter, I mean, Peter's Peter, not my feet from my head down, you know, and Jesus has to communicate, no, once you've been cleansed, all we need to do is just to feed you, they get dusty, you know, they get dirty on it, just walking about, just going about on a day-to-day thing. So we've got to stop and say, God, no, I didn't act right, I didn't think right, I didn't say the right thing. And, and, and you bring your sins to God, and you deal with Him. That could take you a couple of hours, well, hopefully not, but, uh, you know, you just you talk to God and you say, Lord, Lord, I, I'm still not quite perfect. With your help, we're getting there, but... I did this, did that, didn't speak right to my name, to my wife, to my neighbor. Okay? But then it says, as we forgive our debtors. So it's not just about our personal sins, but also our ability to release those who have sinned against us. Now I don't know about you, but sometimes people can really get in my way. I know, it sounds terrible for a minister to say that. But it happens. Not sure that everybody that surrounds you is perfect, treats you right, never says anything wrong, you know, no problems, not, but I do. And I'm, I just can't wait around till they come and ask me for forgiveness. This doesn't happen. 
Now in a perfect world, but we don't have a perfect world. So God calls me to release them, to forgive them long before they come and ask me for forgiveness, personal cleansing. And then we have personal victory over evil and the evil one. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God says, just ask me and I'll help you. You got temptations? Ask me and I'll help you. Bring your weakness, your shortcomings to God. Ask Him to guide your path, to lead you around circumspectly so as to not fall into the temptation, fall into the evil one. I mean, why would it seem odd to us to ask God to help us with our weakness as if I don't want Him to know? Come on! If there's anybody that knows your weakness, it's Him! And the enemy, because he's always using it against you. So instead of trying to hide it, why not come to him and say, God, I I still need help with this one. I still got a long way to go with this issue. And finally, there's the personal declaration of faith. You know, that's where you kind of speak out. You believe what you have just spoken to God about. That yes, I know you're there and you're listening. And so, the Lord tags on to the end, for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever. You take the Lord's Prayer. You have to write it down, type it down, do whatever, and divide it up into just those few sections. There's more actually within. But I'm just generalizing. When you sit down and you want to talk to God, and you say, I don't want to say Okay, no problem. Pull out the outline. Okay, he says to talk to him about this issue. Okay, that home on the other. You run out of things to say, move to the next part of the outline. Move to the next part of the outline. And before you know it, you've just opened your heart with all the things that surround your life. And you've spoken to him. Because he says to us, Knock, and you shall be opened. It's seek, and you shall find. It's not be quiet, and I'll see if I can guess. Now, he doesn't need to hear it, because if we don't tell him, he'll never know. (coughs) He wants to know how much you believe he can help. How much do you believe he needs to hear from you? That he's waiting to hear from you. So how do we minister to the Lord? We said worship last uh, two weeks ago. Today, intimacy. Can you can you see yourself worshiping God, ministering to God, blessing God in intimate communion? Spend time, regular quality time with Him, not clock watching. Listen to God regularly by reading His Word. Make time. Make time for all those other meals throughout the day. And make time once for five minutes. And speak to God regularly in prayer. Minister to Him. Don't just say you love Him. Show Him you love Him. 
You spent intimate time with your husband, your wife. Spend intimate time with your greatest lover. I have only thought. Let's stand and pray.